Welcome to the November 17th edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. This is the most special one of the week because you get uh, myself tilting off of some ridiculous prop bet that I have made uh, seemingly every week. And then you get Ben Brown delivering solid uh, information. This week, it is Nick Foles, who, look, I got to be honest with you. I just bet his no interception prop, not because I expected him not to throw an interception but because I wanted to enjoy at least 30 to 45 minutes of the game, getting excited until he ultimately threw his interception. And I couldn't even make it one freaking series. So uh, here we are. Cordero Patterson is clearly the best running back on the field, and the Bears are beating the Vikings, as, as was predicted. Yeah, I mean, basically Patterson, MVP candidate at this point in time. Yes. Foles couldn't even give you longer than a 30 second sweat. No longer big dig Nick, I would say, from that point in time. So, I don't know. It's uh, It's been a little bit ugly on Monday Night Football for us here. I, I literally hadn't even watched the first two plays of the game. I look up. Nick, Nick Foles is spending 25 seconds in the pocket. Rears back. Just guns it over to Harrison Smith. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But this is it. The funniest thing about these games is that this this game, when you, know, you looked ahead um, and early in the week... It was totally on the other side. The The Bears were a short favorite. It got all the way out to uh, Bears plus three. And, um, you know, that's the value of listening to this podcast and betting earlier in the week. So uh, we will – you mentioned this, actually, that last week um, I was losing my mind as well. But we, we battled through adversity. And we actually did a decent job analyzing the game. So maybe we should just go ahead and move on to week number 11, which thankfully starts on Thursday with a pretty good game. Arizona at Seattle. Um, and this is interesting because Arizona is on the verge of losing to Buffalo. And dare I say that had they lost, Josh Allen for MVP would have heated up because that throw, that throw that he made was pretty darn nice. Um, of course, the Hail Murray happens. That's the only thing anyone is talking about. And now a game that I thought would be a four and a half, maybe five and a half point spread is a juiced three. Seattle minus three, minus 120, total of 58, 58 and a half. I've heard many different takes on this game. What's yours? Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you. I do think it was five and a half basically last week, seven um, preseason number, but it is all the way down to three at this point in time. I do think Arizona, they were kind of a, kind of a trendy uh, public betting team early in the season they obviously let some you know let some betters down you know in the mid part of the season but they've kind of you know come roaring back to life at this point in time I'm still kind of leaning a little bit towards Seattle I think but I really like the over 58 and a half um, I don't really see Seattle obviously stopping Arizona too often but I really don't think that the Cardinals are necessarily going to slow down Russell Wilson either I do think they're probably you know getting the Seahawks at the lowest point um, in the betting market at this point in time. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because they obviously haven't come through in the last two weeks, but I do think that, you know, at the minus three, minus 120 price, I'm definitely buying in probably to the Seattle side of things. Uh, what what kind of side would you lean on at this point? Yes, I, I'm there with you. I, I want to buy low on Seattle. I want to buy low on Russell Wilson, and I want to fade what was a ridiculously incredible play by Kyler Murray, but is just not that's not the part of his play that you want to buy like i do believe that his rushing is something that we're going to see for the rest of the season at least um especially because so much of it comes on scrambles where 
you know, he drops back to pass and then he, he just torches people afterwards. Uh, but throwing the ball, I mean, he was under 200 yards yesterday until that, that throw at the end. It's not like the Bills are, you know, clamping anyone down defensively. So right. there's still a ways for him to go, honestly, as a passer. And that's why when people were getting mad about, you know, oh, how dare you not put him in the MVP conversation? It's like, look, the, the guy has made incredible strides. He's the, He is the best rushing quarterback in the NFL this year. But as a passer, he's got a ways to go. I think that should give people, you know, some excitement here. This is a huge game. I mean, Seattle has got to win this game. I, I also think Jamal Adams coming back, we'll see him actually get back into things um, this week a little bit more. So I, I agree. I think there's value on Seattle. I would also take the over. Um, yeah. I don't think the over is any question at this point in time. I don't know. I'm wondering kind of what your thoughts are on Cliff Kingsbury. Because, I mean, would they kick four field goals mm-hmm. basically in that Bills game in the first half? They kind of settled for a lot of, um, you know, field goals down towards the goal line too. I don't know. I am I know Pete Carroll basically is what he is at this point in time. But what side would you actually lean towards uh, the coaching advantage being on this Thursday night game? That, so that's a great question because we talk about with Thursday night on the short week, the better coach is one that – you want to bet on and I think that Pete Carroll has a, a large advantage here especially with what we've seen this season now I know that he there was a fourth down situation that he did not go for yeah. in the Rams game and um, but they, they lost that game so I'm hoping it snaps him back into aggressive um, Pete Carroll he kind of like found the fountain of youth earlier Cliff, Cliff loves kicking field goals made some hilariously bad decisions in the Miami game. Um, got bailed out by Murray in this game, obviously. But I think the coaching advantage is strongly with Seattle. Yeah, I definitely agree with you at that point, which is kind of why I lean towards Seattle still. And I do agree, like, I do think Pete Carroll has a tendency to occasionally not show as much aggressiveness as he probably should. But then I always feel like he kind of rebounds uh, at that next game, it probably tends to be just a little bit over-aggressive, so that's kind of what I'm looking for from the Seahawks, who, like you touched on earlier, basically have to win this game uh, to you know maintain pace in the NFC West. So I think uh, it's definitely going to be a quality matchup. I don't know if it's game of the week material, but it's uh, right up there in my, my book. So There are maybe four games that are potential game of the week material. Let's go, let's go to another one, which is Green Bay Indy. And Indy is a favorite here. I, I did not think they would be favored. They are. And they are favored by three, although it's juiced towards Green Bay. So probably closer to two and a half, total 51. Um, why? Why is Indianapolis the favorite here at home? I mean, it's the defense thing again. We've been talking about it for weeks. I've been looking for spots to fade the Colts. Obviously, that didn't work out too well last Thursday when they, mm-hmm. you know, essentially destroyed the Titans, took control of the AFC South, but I'm still looking for spots to kind of, you know, fade them at this point in time, and I think that the market is still, you know, weird towards the Packers. Obviously, they didn't cover against the Jaguars uh, this past Sunday. They didn't necessarily look like they were even all that interested in trying to cover, so I'm not really going to hold that against them at this point in time. I do think as three-point dogs on the road, um, you know, in Indianapolis, I do think that they're definitely a viable play. If you, you know, you do have to eat some juice at this point in time, but I'm definitely getting, you know, the better quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think that there's any real offensive, you know, 
contingency basically from the Colts side of things. I don't think they really have any quality skill position players. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, you know, isn't really getting it done from the running back position. Naheem Hines, if he's basically your best weapon on offense with, you know, Phillip Rivers at quarterback, I don't really think that's, you know, reflective of a team that I want to be backing at this point in time, especially as a favorite to a team that I think is probably one of the top top two or one 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 or two teams basically the NFC at this point in time. So I can't get behind the Colts. I'm definitely back in the Packers. Are you in agreement yeah, in that I, situation? I'm just doing some simple math. So like right. if you were just looking at power rankings, are the Colts ahead of the Packers in a power ranking? I mean, so I did a little bit of like our market adjusted um, rating system mm-hmm. and I'm going to have an article this week. I haven't ran it for the week 11 numbers yet, but last week heading into week 10, basically the Packers were fourth overall. Um, according to the market price, the Colts were eighth at this point in time. Like we have their points, you know, if there was like a spread adjusted point mm-hmm. where the league basically, you know, the league average was right around zero. I think um, the Packers would be right around 4.5, 4.6. Colts would be down close to like 3.2. So I do think that the Packers are probably like a point and a half better on a neutral field. I don't really think the home field advantage is worth anything close to that at this point in time. So I definitely think this game should probably be much closer to a pick if not even having the Packers slight favorite. So, yeah, because so, you know, if you look at our ELO ratings going into last week, we'd have the the Packers is about three points, two point six points better on a neutral field. But there, as you said, is no home field advantage. And then you go to the quarterbacks. Right. And there is at least a four-point difference between Aaron Rodgers and, and Phillip Rivers. So, to me, this gets you to, to Packers maybe minus three, minus two and a half. It's it's the other way around. Um, I, I'm taking the better quarterback and the better team getting points. I'm sorry. Like, right. I'm just going to do that right. every single time. Yeah, I mean, basically, if it comes down to fading, you know, a high-quality defense, I'm going to go against that defense basically every chance I get. But I think the Packers are still pretty... You know, solid defensively as well. So I don't know. I'm not really giving the Colts too big of an edge in you know on the defensive side of the football. So from that perspective, I don't really see what's separating the Colts to be two and a half, three point favorites at this point in time. So I do think we'll probably see some movement back towards um, maybe even the opening line sort of thing, minus one, something like that. But you know, if the market's going to be wrong here all week, I'm just going to be in a spot where I'm probably heavily exposed to the Packers, which could be uh, fun coming up here on Sunday. Okay, take me. Uh, there's there are a couple more games that I'm excited to talk about. Take me to one that has your uh, interest. I, uh, I don't know if it has my betting interest, but I am kind of um, intrigued by it just because I've been so wrong on these teams basically the last two weeks. But Tennessee at Baltimore, hmm. I think Baltimore is basically minus six at this point. Is there a spot for you to get involved with this game, or are you probably just you know laying off the fact oh, that we don't really understand either of these teams at this point in time? Man, man, man. I I mean I. I thought uh, I had a pretty good read on, and and our um, models had a pretty good read on Baltimore, New England. We like New England, um, also like the over, which I thought was fundamentally, Should've. you know, right. it, it was the right play. It did not end up doing so. I mean, there was no points in the first quarter or the fourth quarter of yeah. that game, basically, <laughs> and they, you know, went to forty. So I think yeah, it, was it was definitely ridiculous. the right play. But but um, but you know, New England plus seven was was clearly the right play. And a lot of it had to do with the simple fact that actually the better passing quarterback in that game was Cam Newton. The Baltimore Ravens passing attack was a disaster. So you can say all you want about the weather. Yeah, both teams dealt with the weather and like Cam Newton didn't look like he was, you know, overly impacted by 
by the rain. The, the Patriots offense, I thought, looked pretty decent. Um, the Ravens simply just don't have players that separate. They're really banged up on the offensive line. DJ Fluke was so bad that he got benched. Um, you know, Nick Boyle, who's a key member of their blocking attack, hurt himself pretty badly. And the Titans have some guys that can cover now, you know, with Desmond King, which I can't believe I'm even saying that. Six and a half is is a lot of points. If the Titans ever figure out how to play football and to actually throw the ball in early downs, which they figured out for like two series against the Colts, they, there's no way that they should not be able to cover six and a half against the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that's kind of basically the way I'm leaning at They could use some play action on early downs, you know, not necessarily just pound and ground with Derrick Henry. I do think that they're obviously going to uh, have a lot more offensive success and probably cover the six and a half points. But yeah, it's Tennessee is just, I mean, I liked them last Thursday. They just didn't come through whatsoever. So it's kind of a difficult spot for me. So I don't know. That was what I like. I do like both, you know, basically all three of the picks that you and Eric wrote up. I do think you got some decent line value. Kansas City at Las Vegas. I think that's basically the only one that's probably still available. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so it's, that's the only one that's still available at minus seven for the Chiefs. Um, 56 and a half point total. What? Give me some of your thought process on that one. Okay, so I thought this should have been nine and a half, ten. And I, I'm not overreacting to the fact that the Raiders beat Kansas City well, already. I am a little bit wary of the Raiders game against Denver on the scoreboard being dramatically different than how I saw it watching it live and then watching it again. I watched it again today because I was, I, was there something that I was missing? Yeah, Derek Carr looked good. Darren Waller looked good. Sure. Drew Locke looked really bad. That was the key. Drew Locke was scampering into the end zone for a touchdown there's a holding penalty and 30 seconds later he's throwing an interception in in the end zone they still weren't out of it um but he continued to play like absolute dog crap and that was the reason the raiders were so dominant in that game so i'm not sure that the raiders are riding as high as people believe they are this is you know the chiefs could could lose the division if they don't win this game right and um I what I am kind of interested by is whether the Chiefs with, you know, potentially without a lot of their offensive linemen. Right. Because um, is it Fisher and Schwartz are now on the covid list? Yeah, I think so. But my and understanding. I don't know if that's actually, yeah, I don't know if that's actually like they have covid or no. they were just in contact so they could potentially get cleared. Sort OK, of thing. so I am I'm one of these nut jobs that follows a lot of players on Instagram. One, because I think it tells me a lot about whether I want to be a fan of that player. But also, I think you can learn some interesting things. Mitchell Schwartz went and played golf this weekend. Both he and his, uh, I believe it's his wife, play golf. They went to a golf course, played golf. My guess is the contact tracing says, hey, you were in a place where, you know, in public where you could have been exposed. You're on the list. That seems to me to be the way that the NFL is protecting itself against these outbreaks. I'm not worried about him playing. So I don't know if that's why the line is moving. If that's not the reason the line is moving, I, I don't know why it is moving towards 
um, the Raiders and not not the other way around. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other explanation? I mean, basically, I think you, the main reason from what I'm seeing is kind of what you touched on initially, but I do think it's just the fact that people are overvaluing that the Raiders beat Kansas City earlier in the season. I think people think, oh, well, they match up really well against Kansas City, this and that, and they probably side too heavily with the Raiders' performance earlier in the season, kind of giving that one game a pedestal you know, or something along those lines to the fact where that's kind of, you know, affecting this line too much. And I just don't think that that's necessarily a sound process. So from that perspective, I think the Chiefs are definitely the correct play. I do agree with you. I mean, we kind of understood what Drew Locke was in the offseason. I think, you know, him going down with injury, returning, he had basically one half of good football. We probably bought into him too quickly just coming off of that. Yeah, one one half football like two or three weeks ago basically is what I'm trying to get at. But yeah, I mean, so from that perspective, I do think Drew Locke basically lost the game for the Raiders um, against the Raiders more so than the Raiders actually went out and won last week. So I don't know. I'm definitely buying into the Chiefs. Um, I just think that they're definitely the correct side coming out of the bye on the road. Yeah, Andy Reid off bye. Man, I, I let's find. We got to find something that we we disagree on. Here. Disagree on. Let's I, go. Let's go. Rams. Bucks. Okay. This is wow. This is as much juice as I have seen on a number. I'm on betchris.com. The Bucks are minus three, minus one thirty. <laughs> oh really? Yes. That number's been moving around quite a bit because I've seen it at basically yeah four and a half. I think it opened earlier three and a half, three and a half. Mm-hmm. So now it's down to three. So there's definitely some Rams backing at this point in time. What side are you leaning on? No house advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across all the major sports for cash. Is an awesome new fantasy sports platform. It's leveling the playing field and making it easier than ever before to win. Certainly easier than the traditional fantasy sports apps. Download the No House Advantage app. Check out all their daily prop uh, player prop contests without having to make a single deposit. Play public guaranteed cash prize contests or create your own. But here's the deal: use promo code Edge. It's E D G E when you sign up, and they'll match your first deposit up to twenty bucks in free play. And if your first time deposit is at least 10, just $10, you're going to get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's insane. That's $10 and you get a $40 subscription that's going to help you go win money on the site. So make it happen. No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests, include all types of player statistics, a ton of fun. Download the app, use promo code EDGE, E-D-G-E, get yourself a free PFF Edge annual subscription with a $10 deposit. Yeah, so last I pegged this one perfectly before even the games were played. I thought Tampa Bay would be a four and a half point favorite in this one, and here's where I'm gonna go with this. Uh, total is 47. Now I don't know if there's supposed to be inclement weather. I'm gonna look right now. Um, Tampa Bay weather um but both these teams have good defenses and they have players that make plays on defense and i think that's being overrated a bit uh, and that's why this total is below 50 when really they have two head coaches that are offensive minded want to you know want to play offensive football tom brady should have had five passing touchdowns 
<laughs> on right, Sunday. Right, and right. Oh, he definitely should have. Yes. And I I had a Tom I had Tom Brady over two and a half and Tom Brady no interceptions. And I was sitting there sweating my balls off, but he eventually got it. Especially after he right. got the sneak. He his third touchdown was a sneak. And <laughs> you know, sitting there sweating. I thought that balls. one was done when Ronald Jones basically went for ninety eight oh, yards. Man. I was like, well, that's it. That's it. So it's next Monday evening, uh, it's gonna be uh little under 80 not not a whole lot of wind uh not not much chance of precipitation so i i don't see any reason why weather would impact this total i think three anywhere between three and four and a half is a pretty efficient number um i definitely believe that the rams are a live dog here with with sean mcveigh that being said i'm not taking jared goff against tom brady i'm not and what i really like is a, a total under uh, 50 under 49 with two teams that are offensively minded and, and a Bucks team that I thought figured a few things out against Carolina. They played a little more um, heavy, a few more heavy sets. The wide receiver still eight. Um, it gives them a chance to rotate those guys in and out. It looks like Antonio Brown's going to stick with them one more week. Give me the over. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind that either. I do. I do kind of lean towards the Rams at this point hmm. in time. I do think that it's probably one and a half. It's probably where the line should be at. So at minus three, I think it's probably a no play at three and a half. I'm probably what's what's your reasons? Um, I just, I mean, I think that I don't know. I don't think that the market has fully picked up on how good or how bad the Buccaneers are at this point in time. Because hmm. I don't know. I think they're. I don't think they're necessarily you know as good as what they showed against the Panthers, but I don't think they're as bad as what they were against the Saints. Um, I think the Rams are just a team that I was probably undervaluing. In the preseason, I've kind of been undervaluing throughout, and I've kind of, kind of, I basically flipped at this point in time, and I am kind of back in the Rams to probably win the NFC West. Wow. They're, you know, I mean, obviously, Jared Goff is, you know, probably the third, yeah, fourth, he's, I was going to say he's the third best quarterback, quarterback in the NFC West at this point in time, um, which is not something that I'd usually back at this point, but. I don't know. I kind of like their trio receivers. Receivers. Josh Reynolds is now emerging as well. Um, you know, obviously Sean McVay is basically what he is at this point, and I do think that they're probably going to be uh, relevant throughout here. And I do think that they have the best defense, obviously, in the division, which is even a question at this point. In time, yeah. So. I, I mean, Darius Williams, who is the other cornerback. You know, obviously everyone talks about Jalen Ramsey. Jaylen. Darius Williams is allowing a pass rating of forty-two. Uh, it's the best among all corners. He's got the fourth highest coverage grade of all cornerbacks. He was playing amazingly. And we talked about um, Brandon Staley, I think, a few weeks ago. What he's doing with that defense is awesome. Uh, and obviously Aaron Donald. Here's one thing yeah. that I think is is interesting. Jared Goff, to me, the type of defense that he is going to struggle against, certainly not the lack of defense that Seattle brings to the table, but a very aggressive heavily blitzing defense um, that will disguise some coverages. He got roasted against Miami. Miami's defense, I think, is as well-coached a defense and well-built a defense given what they had at their disposal as you will find in the NFL. Brian Flores runs the most cover zero. What he was doing to Justin Herbert on third downs, if you want to go rewatch a game, go rewatch um, Tua versus Herbert. The difference in that game wasn't necessarily Tua playing really well and Herbert playing really poorly, even though that ultimately was a lot of it, but it was what they were dealing with. Miami had a good scheme. They were keeping the, the Chargers off balance defensively. Tua was able to make plays that were there. And on the other side of things, the Dolphins confused the living shit out of Justin right. Herbert. He had no idea what was going on. Um, it was just really well schemed. So I think that the Bucks can do something similar 
in the, their aggressive play. And that, to me, does not bode um, super well for Jared Goff. So it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, let's do uh, a little rapid fire here. Uh, here's one that I want your quick take on, and that is um, New England-Houston. Houston Texans, two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. I'm going back with Houston again one more oh time. Boy. I got to do it. I mean, I just, I've been doing it for far too long at this point, but I'm still a Deshaun Watson believer and I can't quit him. I'm not fully on board with the Patriots. Obviously, Cam's been great the last couple of weeks, but I'm taking Houston at this, at this price. I wish I could get it at plus three. I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, it's a little juice towards New England. I am going to go, I'm going to fade Romeo Cornell against Bill Belichick. Right. As much as I love Deshaun Watson and he is my, He's like my favorite, you know, he's not the best quarterback, but he's like my favorite quarterback. I just love the way that he plays the game and his his whole swagger, everything about him. And yeah. I feel bad for him. I honestly do. He is in such yeah. a shitty situation. That it team really is a shit. it's a disaster. It's a disaster. So I like the Patriots with a little bit of confidence here. I think the fact that they're able to practice now is certainly helping them. Their offensive line played so well against Baltimore. And Houston is kind of a soft team. I think the right. Patriots are able to kind of dominate this game, and Belichick just owns a former, you know, pupil of his. Yeah, um, I think you might have convinced me at this point. I gotta ask you. <laughs> I, I gotta ask you. Falcons, Saints, no oh, Drew Brees, boy. minus four and a half. Who you? Who do you like? And how many snaps does Taysom Hill play on Sunday? The the answer to your second question is not enough. <laughs> It is. You said it's four and a half. I see five on bet, Chris. Okay. Um, Oh, brother. Look, this is such a hard one because you know how I feel about betting the Falcons. But also taking Jameis as a five-point favorite. This is not taking Teddy Bridgewater as a five-point favorite. Where you were basically just hoping that the machine of the Saints rolled along. Here you've got a little added volatility. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go over 51 and a half. Jameis throws four four touchdowns. One may or may not be to the Falcons. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of, I mean, obviously it's only, only on 14 dropbacks, but it's 5.3 average depth of target. I didn't know Winston was even capable of that, even over that small of a sample size, but who knows? It's going to be a fun game. He's got so. a whole week of, of preparation. Um, right. I, there was one more that uh, I wanted your quick take on. Oh, um, the... Why is there no line? Are you seeing a line for a Cleveland Philly? Cleveland Philly, I am. And why wouldn't there be one? That is a good question. Hmm. Maybe it's weather related or something like that in Cleveland. I'm seeing minus three and a half. Not really. I'm looking at uh, SBR at this point in time. Minus three and a half for for Cleveland. Okay. Are you I mean, are you buying a bounce back for Philly or no? I don't think I can ever buy a bounce back for Philly <laughs> at this point. I, w- I actually hit them once early in the season when they were playing the 49ers, and we talked about it, and I liked Philly in that game, but that's the only time I've ever gone back to Philly at this point. I think they're kind of done. I don't know who's going to win the NFC East, but um, it's a disaster either way. So I don't know. I take I like, I like don't mind the Browns at minus 3.5. Are you getting on board with that? Are you um, actually going to back the Eagles a little bit? You're feeling it this week, huh? I... It- Here's the only reason I kind of would I would probably lay off this game, but the so the, there was a real gap between Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz that I don't think people picked up on. The Giants were four and a half point underdog. I thought that was ridiculous, and it was. Right. 
there isn't that big of a gap between Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield as much as it pains me to say it. Both of them are kind of playing like dog crap. And um, the the Eagles' one strength is that they do have a really solid defensive line, the potential to slow. You know, I think this could be a you know one of these really ugly, crappy games. The Browns are now a team that you know as they soon win as they win games. a game, as soon as they win a game, they just you know fall flat on their face. But it's probably one that I'm laying off. Yeah, I mean it's going to be probably like another ten seven game again this weekend for the Browns. So. In that situation, they don't cover, but they probably win. It's kind of what I'm seeing. We can get Nick Chubb to, to run yeah. out of bounds again. All right, let's do uh, our prize picks. Prizepicks.com, where you go and you um, basically it's it's very simple. You pick anywhere from two to four players. You decide whether you want to go over or under their fantasy projection, and then you parlay them together. And if you, for example, take four players and you get all four right, you get 10x whatever you put down. So it's a really easy way to basically play uh, player props. So uh, we've been doing a nice little job of basically both picking two, and you can either decide to go with, with two, <laughs> three, or four of that group. Um, do and So we're going to go the Thursday night game here, Arizona and Seattle. Um, <laughs> Kyler Murray's projection is 27 and a half. Right. Which is absurd. That's absolutely insane. But if you look at what he's been scoring, it makes sense. Uh, I'm probably steering clear of Kyler. What are you doing in this one? I'm going Larry Fitzgerald over 8.5 fantasy points. He was popping up for me last Sunday. He had, you know, one drop. One drop turned into an interception. He had a couple more plays. I think there was one early play, actually, that Murray had a uh, pass batted down at the line of scrimmage close to the goal line. That was a target for Larry Fitzgerald. So I think he's probably just a little bit more involved than people will give him credit for at this point in time. So I do like his over 8.5 fantasy points. That's basically one spot I like. I'm going to go with two overs. DK Metcalf over 16.8 fantasy points. I think he gets back uh, to his old ways, basically, on Thursday Night Football. We have kind of a pretty decent, you know, 100 and some yards and a touchdown performance from Metcalf coming up. Those are the two that I like. I like it. Here's here's one. So I'm going to go Russell Wilson over 25. Bounce back. It's having a bounce back. It's happening in this game. I really like Larry Fitz. Um, and one more that, that I will give you here is uh, David Moore for Seattle. I think there's going to be a lot of focus on Lockett and Metcalf. Eight and a half for David Moore. Um, give me that and uh, enjoy yourself. Profit. This should be a fun game. I'm excited for this. There's going to be some fun right. props, unlike this disaster of a game we're watching currently <laughs> on Monday night between two teams that have never played offensive football before. Oh, you're still watching this game? I've turned it off Good. for a while now. Good for so. you. Good for you. All right. We will, uh, you will be back manana. If you are listening to this podcast, know that uh, there's one every single week, or every single day of the week. And then um, PFF Forecast will be on Wednesday evening. So check that out as well. Thanks for hanging out. Peace out.